Welcome to episode 32 of the Dave and Steve show. My name is Tracy Green. Coming up in this half hour, we're going to revisit some of the most magical moments in the 2020 return of the Dave and Steve show. I'm going to give you some behind the scenes details that you may or may not have guessed. And finally, I'll wrap it up and send you into the holiday weekend with a hopeful smile. Now, I know what you're thinking. How do you have an episode of the Dave and Steve show with nobody named Dave or Steve? And I admit to you, the guys are taking a hard-earned week off in this glorious fall Thanksgiving week in the Pacific Northwest. And I'll have you know a few facts. This isn't the first time Dave and Steve show hasn't featured either Dave or Steve. The guys would often take a week off during long holidays or when traveling for business and I would be left behind to piece together the remnants of their comedy droppings into the wonderful tapestry that is known as a clip show. In fact, Steve didn't even make his first appearance on the Dave and Steve show back in late 2007 until the third episode. Steve had other things going on during the evening that Dave decided to record. So to get Steve to show up on his own show, the first episodes were basically Dave engaged in storytelling time about different places that Steve crapped his pants as a young man. Almost as self-defense, Steve finally decided to make an appearance on a podcast where his name was half the show and the world got to see some of the magical improvisational performances that followed. Grab yourself a spot on the rug, crisscross applesauce. Get your sippy cup of juice and get ready. It's time for story time with Steve. Uh, Steve, what about you? Bad gym, bad exercise, bad experiences? Oh, I have so many I could just rattle off right now and I'm, I'm having a hard time deciding which ones I'm going to tell you. So I'm going to tell them all and here they come <laughs> <laughs> one after another. The, the first one, the first time I joined a gym um, and I went cause it had a pool and I'm like, I'm going to go in the, in the morning and I'm going to swim, I'm going to do laps and then I'm going to go to work from there. And so I went there the first day and uh, got in, did a bunch of laps. I was really excited, hopped in the, um, uh, in the uh, hot tub afterwards, because that was before I knew that you shouldn't ever go into somebody else's hot tub right, like that. Right. Um, and, um, and I'm, I'm sitting in the hot tub, you know, kind of proud of myself and, you know, whoever the swimmer was that was, you know, two lanes over, he gets in, he's like, Oh, who's this new guy? Who's never going to come to the gym again. Yeah. And, uh, and that, that really it, oh it he literally he literally i thought you were just saying that that was the expression on his no face. no he said it out loud to everybody else <laughs> that was in the, in the hot tub and there were a bunch there were i was sitting next to a bunch of other people in the hot tub we hadn't talked at all and i said uh and i said to him this is the uh this is the first time i've been able to exercise since the accident and uh <laughs> it got like his face just fell like it was like Oh my God. And, um, and it took a, it took like a minute and the guy next to me said, so, uh, what, what kind of accident were you in? I said, Oh, I accidentally ate 15 dozen donuts over a period of three years. (laughs) Steve, you posted on Facebook this week to say you are learning the ukulele. Now, 
the question is, and I don't, maybe you put it in the Facebook post. I don't remember. Did you, did you specifically order this ukulele now? Don't mind if I do, Dave, you want to hear a, you want to hear a little tune? <laughs> He's getting his ukulele out. So I'll just pull this out here. Did you order this as part of the, the isolation because you were going to be home and you wanted something to do, or have you had this ukulele laying around for a while and you thought now's a, as good a time as any? Well, I've had the ukulele laying around since I got back from uh Now do it uh, in a Hawaii. song. Come on, it's do it in summer. a song. <laughs> so I had this ukulele brought over from the great big island of Hawaii. Okay. Where as many people now hold on, hold on, hold on. He's changing chords, hold on. There it is. That's right. That's a C chord. So um no, I, I, I got this uh, ukulele from Hawaii, uh, and Zach and I got – he got one and I got one, and uh, he picked it up really, really quickly. But being a drummer, the stringed instruments have eluded me for a long time. I mean, I have really stupid fingers. What are you drinking yeah. there, buddy? I, oh, I'm drinking, uh, I'm drinking seltzer – seltzer water is a peach seltzer water okay so let's talk about this real quick because you have on social media you've gone back and forth many times talking about you, whether or not you can or can't get your hands on peach flavored seltzer water yes and this has i don't know why this has consumed you in the way that it has but i feel like i feel like you've you've got this sorted out now right are you in a good place where you've i, I, I feel like i'm in a really good place um, and I, it, for a while it was dark times, right? Right. Um, everybody's like really excited about grapefruit and lemon and, and like LaCroix. And yeah. Like it's that. all Tracy can talk about. I know. I know. <laughs> but the, but the sparkling water community, as we like to be called, <laughs> <laughs> um, the, I started drinking sparkling water and I just had to get rid of soda, like, like, like coke and pepsi and right. all that you were a, cut it you out. were a big coke drinker big. I, I really enjoyed it but it it is not good for you and it wasn't doing me any favors so i cut that out um and i i'll have a i'll have a soda on occasion but for the most part i switched over to sparkling water and i found a kind that i really liked when i was out in kansas and it was made by the seagram's company um and that was a white peach flavored um, and it was just wonderful. I mean, I, I like their orange and I like their berry, but the, the, the white peach was great. They made it for a while. Then they stopped making it completely and they switched over to Dasani, uh, but it took forever. Right. And Dasani only had it out for like a couple of years. And then, then that went away and I was freaking out because it went away and it looked like the peach bubbly, which just showed up was going away. I put a bounty on it. I absolutely did. And and they stopped making the the peach Dasani. I have two boxes of peach Dasani just hanging out. Like I I'm gonna crack it open, you know, on our twenty fifth wedding anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm gonna do. Um but it's but it's really good. And I bought like when when they were testing the peach flavor, I went out and I bought probably close to a full pallet load of half cases of peach bubbly. See, and that's the problem so because you you buy your peach bubbly and you buy that much of it and then somebody's watching you in Costco and they feel like they have to buy it and then before long we've got a peach bubbly shortage that you started. 
Yeah, but that I'm okay with it because I already have my palate and uh, <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, also, yeah. and also it's created enough of a of a marketing blip that they're like, "Oh my god, we should have been doing peach for years." And so now they're making it and it's and it's okay. Well, Dasani stopped making theirs. I actually really liked theirs. It was the white peach flavor from the Seagram's days. What the hell is <laughs> happening right now? You asked. <laughs> Sounds like we have a new segment, Dave. I, you asked. Yeah, it's called here. it's called the peach soda water twenty minutes. Coming up on the other side of this break, we're going to hear from Dave and recap what has been both a challenging yet rewarding time during these last few months. Stick around and thank you once again for joining me on the Dave and Steve show. Hello, nature lovers. I'm here to tell you about a wonderful new recording from Dallas Records. It's called Tracy Green Dallas Exotic Birds. And it's how I relax after a stressful workday. Just listen. The white speckled dovetail. Caw! 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 The Midwestern three-footed finch. Eee! Eee! The Icelandic rubber beak. They're beautiful creatures, aren't they, folks? And now, for a very limited time, you can get them all on one disc brought to you by DOS Records. Here are a couple more samples of the serenity you'll experience. The blue-tailed pelican. Uh, pee-pee. The Peruvian two-toed parakeet. Caw, caw, caw. Life is stressful. Why not let Tracy take you on a flight to the far reaches of this great planet with some of the most beautiful bird calls you'll ever hear? The stiff-nippled Nordic robin. The fire-faced French owl. Uh, look, I'm an owl. If you're like me, you'll lose yourself in the calm that is Tracy Green does exotic birds. Act now, and we'll throw in Tracy Green does farm animals at no additional charge. Okay, I'm not doing any farm animals. Welcome back to the Dave and Steve show. Before I get to our next segment, I want to remind you that we love hearing from our listeners and the growth of the audience over the last few months in particular has been very encouraging. So if you'd like to reach out to the show with questions, observations, or maybe you just want to make fun of either Dave or Steve, feel free to contact us at the Dave and Steve show at gmail.com. You know, the last few months have had their challenges for all of us and we Hope that we've provided some friendly voices and entertainment for you. For Dave in particular, though, life has forced him to have some adjustments of his own, and you'll hear about these in the next segment. Now, I remember the day that I first met Dave. Uh, He interviewed for a job at Sierra Online that was then probably one of the biggest names in the video game industry. Now, because I'm a very uh, extremely important person, I came in late to the interview and I was holding Dave's resume in my hand. Now, most of the interview process had already been finished and the rest of the team were finished asking uh, Dave questions. And they asked me if I wanted to ask Dave any questions of my own. And I said I wanted to hear more about his job on the family farm. 
and the rest of the team informed me that they had already asked him that question. But at the time, you see, I was in full jackass mode, so I insisted that he retell his story for my benefit. What I learned later was that uh, Dave was just days removed from having a surgery, and he really wasn't feeling all that well and was probably on pain medication. And he was looking at me like I was the worst person in the world. And to be fair, he was only off by a little bit. You know, I kind of wish that his story that day had gone a little like this. Working for my dad on a cattle farm. Now, this was this was not a normal, as Steve can attest, this was not, don't think of your run-of-the-mill, you know, 20 cows, whatever it might be, your milk and things, whatever. This was 2,500 to 3,000 head of cattle. This was awful conditions in terms of it. We have harsh winters in eastern Washington, so it freezes. Uh, we have then the, all the stuff that freezes has to melt off. And so during the spring and fall, especially, I would be walking in knee-deep, soupy cow poop that would be running down into my rubber boots, filling my rubber boots with cow manure. We had, my dad's passed away, so I know I can say this without getting him in any kind of legal trouble because you're not supposed to do this. We had a pit way out in the back of our property that was our dead cow pit because you're supposed to have dead animals. You're supposed to have somebody come and a service come and pick them up. When you're dealing with this many animals, you have enough deaths that that becomes very expensive. So we would literally just haul them out to the back in this pit, dump them in the pit. So it was this maggot-filled, stinky pit that would just cook in the summertime. And then when it got full enough, we would have to dump gasoline on it and burn all these things down. So all of this... Now, the one good thing, the one... There were many good (laughs) things, but the one that stands out as far as a good thing to me, and it was, in hindsight, not good for my health, was... My dad parlayed some kind of business deal with the hostess company, as in Twinkies, Ding Dongs, Cupcakes. Mm. So he would go to, he would have a truck drive to one of the, the factories in the area. And when items expire, they are sent back to a warehouse. Hostess then doesn't know what to do with all those items. So they have all these expired things that are past their shelf date. The thing is, if you know anything about Twinkies or anything else, they last forever. Yes, they have a shelf life on them, and yes, they have a shelf date. You can eat those things. Steve and I had a teacher who held on to one for 50 years and ate it eventually on his retirement and said it tasted fine. Those things last forever. So my dad would bring in, they would bring in truckloads, massive semi-truckloads of Hostess products. These were all still wrapped So we would feed these to the cows as a supplement, a small supplement to help them build fat. It would actually keep them warm in the winter, et cetera, et cetera. And if done sparingly under the supervision of a vet and all that kind of stuff, it was actually a very common thing to do. You would include sugar of some kind, and we did it this way. So the problem was I was the kid who had to stand out there because I'm the low man on the totem pole unwrapping each of these items and throwing them onto a big slab so that they can eventually be scooped up with a bucket loader and dumped into the feed, et cetera, et cetera. So I would spend hours and hours and hours out on this hot slab, just unwrapping Twinkies. And the way it would work was, well, I've unwrapped 10. Here's one for me. Well, I've unwrapped 20 snowballs. Here's one for me. (laughs) I gained like 30 pounds that summer. I got so fat working out there because I was eating all of these hostess products. Um, And like our freezer was just full of hostess products. And it was just anyway. So that was the that was the like a memorable good thing about it. Worst story I have from that job by far. So my grandfather worked out there. My dad owned the place. 
I worked out there. So three generations working together. Oh, that's great. Warm, fuzzy feelings. Except again, I was low man on the totem pole. So when I talked about the dead cows in the dead cow pit. So one of the things that would happen is a cow would pass away during the winter. And because the pins were so massive and so large, they would literally sink into the manure and then freeze in place if you didn't see them right away. And so there was a cow that had frozen in place, dead. And we were like, well, we can't get this until the ground thaws. Come springtime, ground thaws. My grandfather gets in the front end loader. I jump up on the step next to him. I'm holding on. We ride out into the area to pick this thing up. I was always the, the chain guy. I had to get out of the, get off the loader, take the chain that was hanging from the bucket, wrap it around the cow's neck, hook it, and then he would pull it up out of the muck. We'd drag it over the pit. He'd lower it down into the pit. I would unhook the chain. Job done. Well, this cow had been in there all winter and was in bad shape, to say the least, when we got to it. If you don't know anything, and why would you, about the town we're from, the area we're from, very windy. High winds all the time, especially in the spring. Really, really bad wind. So it's a horribly windy day. We're out there. I hook the chain around the neck. My grandfather pulls up. Wouldn't you know it, the head comes off. Literally Mm -hmm. rips off the cow's body. Gust of wind comes up and blows all of the stuff dripping out of the cow's neck into my open mouth because i am i have my mouth wide open at this cow's head that's just been ripped off gust of wind comes up blows all of this into my mouth i'm sure there's people gagging listening to this right now i am now doubled over hands on my knees i am dry heaving i am vomiting i am someone get him a twinkie quick tears right (laughs) tears tears in my eyes and i look up And my grandfather, who was a large man, 300 plus pounds, is in this front end loader. And he is, he can't catch his breath. He is laughing so hysterically. (laughs) He has tears rolling down his eyes. I still remember how bright red his face and head were. He was a bald man. So I could see his entire head laughing so hard at this. And as I am doubled over with my hands on my knees, I can still feel the stuff dripping on the back of my neck being blown onto the back of my neck because i can't step far enough away from this thing for it not to blow on me i hope you weren't in the middle of eating something and i confess i probably should have warned you about that story before i played it you know dave did more than just recollect on old stories from his childhood he had a chance to have a vacation and adjust to some personal issues as well i had somebody text me over this week and they basically said you know the typical stuff that you would expect right now how you holding up during all this how's the family how you guys doing and they asked me what have you been doing which later springboarded into the segment we're going to talk about later in the show but when they asked me via text what have you been doing i i immediately thought of the movie kingpin there's a moment in that movie where they ask roy what he's been up to since he's dropped out of the world of professional bowling I have the clip. I'm going to play this here. So, Roy, let me ask you, what have you been doing all these years? Uh, well, the, the uh, after after the hand, I, there, there, no, there was the 80s, uh, you know, for a while. I, <clears throat> drinking. <clears throat> yeah, a lot of, lot of drinking. <laughs> uh, are you still drinking? No, 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 no. I, I don't. That's that's behind me now. I just. Why are you buying? So 
so that's that's the first thing I thought of because there is a lot of there's a lot of consumption of adult beverages in in my house uh, since the the isolation hit. Uh, it's not to say it's a it's a problematic thing or every night or anything like that, but I definitely right. I enjoy a drink because I, there's nothing else to do. So let's talk about last week's show. So last week, uh, as I do every single week, including tonight, to calm the nerves before I'm set to record, I pour myself an adult beverage, <laughs> and I'm I'm relatively liberal with the adult part that goes into the adult beverage. Uh, last week I got a little out of hand, um, and I I didn't <laughs> I didn't I, did, <laughs> I didn't realize that I had gotten out of hand until so we we do the show in a similar fashion each week in that we break it up into three segments. We have our first segment where we say, "Hey, what'd you do last week?" We do the headlines, commercial break, something else, commercial break, and then we do our third segment. That's usually our main topic. So last week. Everything was fine. I was sipping on my adult beverage. We were doing the show. Things were going great. Felt good about the show. And then everything hit during the second commercial break leading into the third segment. Now, Steve, I know you don't drink. You never have drank. You never will drink. It's just one of those things. Tracy, I know you have. And I know especially in your younger days, your your very young days, you did. And we've all had that feeling of it's, it usually happens when there is a police officer around or an adult or something like that, where you consciously suddenly are fully aware of just how drunk you are. And you are trying to you do deep breaths, you do a lot of different things to try and pull it together, which isn't a thing. You can't just undrunk yourself. I, now, I have I've I've witnessed a lot of this in the wild. And sure, sure. just because you say it doesn't ha you can't do it doesn't mean that everybody doesn't try and they, they, and you can sure. watch them try and, and it's usually fairly impressive because they, they, you see them go, Hmm, yeah. you, you, you yeah. can see yeah. everything go yeah. on in their brain. It's awesome. Yeah. So case in point last week, I told you guys after that second commercial aired that I needed to use the bathroom. I said, I'll be right back. I got to use the bathroom. I didn't go anywhere. I put my hands on the desk in front of me and I took big, deep, heavy breaths to try and, as I say, undrunk, undrunk, uh, myself. <laughs> undr undrunk myself. We click back into the segment and I realize that I am, I am now fighting myself to not sound impaired when I am obviously impaired. And I just thought like, this is so, I, I don't want to say unprofessional. It makes it sound like we're getting paid for this, but it was so, it was so afterwards, I, even in my drunken stupor, I reached out to you guys both and said like, Hey, listen, I had a little too much to drink tonight. I'm sorry. Now in, in, in hindsight, <laughs> I went back and listened to the show. If I hadn't said this right now, you really can't tell. We go to Disneyland. I come back. I'm like, you know, we should move to Southern California. We could go to Disneyland every day. We come back from a cabin. I'm like, we should buy a small cabin and just live there. We could live in a small cabin. We were very happy. Like all these different things that in short bursts, I think you're very enamored with and are pretty awesome. Yeah. But if you really had to, if you really had to live in Southern California every day, you, I would, I personally would not, I would hang myself. And if I had to live in a small <laughs> cabin, that would be great for the first couple of weeks. And then I think I would, I think I would hate it. Weird things of where we went. So again, we were in a very modest cabin. 
but I wouldn't say we were in the middle of nowhere. We were, we did have houses or other cabins on either side of us. And we were on what is a relatively well-known lake here in the state of Washington. So we walked down to, we were lucky because we were fortunate because our little cabin had a little slice of beach that was a, a private beach. And when I say private beach, I mean, it's literally like 10, 15 feet across. It, it's like, it, I mean, it's barely enough room for all four of you to stand at the beach. Yeah, it's, it's shoreline. Not, correct. Yeah. Correct. And yeah. so we were doing, ex and my kids were doing exactly what I would expect kids, especially kids who don't have access to a lake on a regular basis to do. They were picking up rocks. They were throwing rocks. They were standing out on the little jetties that are also made of rocks. My daughter like snuck her way out. I say snuck, like she kind of tiptoed her way out to, on this jetty and was picking up some of the big rocks and throwing them in the water to make a big splash. And here comes Johnny Beachfront, uh, this guy in probably his 60s, maybe 70s. We see him, like my wife and I immediately were like, here it is. Oh no. And we see him come meandering down off of his deck. He literally has to come down his deck walk down steps to get to the lower section, walk across his lawn, take a, you know, those uh, pool ladders that are kind of, they're hooks and they're, you hook them over a pool right. side to climb in and out. He's got one of those that leads down to his beach. He's got to then walk across over one of his little jetties across the beach in between us and him to us to say, she can't be throwing rocks in the water. She's going to destroy that jetty. She needs to go get those rocks out of there. There's people that swim in that water. And then he said, you know, this, the, he's the property he was standing on, which was between ours and his, this is my son's property. We own this. That's my property there. Like, and the, there is a certain, there's a certain way. I don't know what the vibe is that rich elitists give off, but you can tell instantly that they have money and that they're going to let you know that they have money. This guy had like the perfectly combed hair. We could smell some type of clone coming off of him way too tan to be living in Washington. So, you know, he travels abroad often to get this type of tan or he's got the tanning bed in his house, but literally came to like my two young kids and us to let us know that we should not be throwing rocks in a lake. And so I remained motionless and I stared at this guy for what felt like a good five minutes. Nobody said anything. My family didn't say anything. It wasn't five minutes, but it just felt like it. It was probably 20, 30 seconds. But I, I, we, I, we literally stared at each other, not saying a word. And then my wife said, honey, as in like, are you still there? And I just said to the guy, we'll take care of it. And he stared back at me as though he expected me to take care of it right then. And I, so I said, we're here enjoying our time. If you would like us to take care of it right now, then go ahead and call the police, call the authorities, call whoever you need to call, tell them what we, we were throwing rocks in the lake and have them have us take care of it right now. Otherwise, I will take care of it on my time. And he stared at me for a couple more seconds and then said, Okay, well, I expect it to get taken care of. And then we watched him meander back across this beach. He had to make the trek all the way back up the ladder and all that kind of stuff. So I'm watching him do this. And as he gets just about to his porch, I hear this. And I turn and my wife has thrown the biggest rock she can find into the lake. <laughs>
Wow, where did this half hour go? I'm beginning to wind down this half hour, but before I do, I want to remind you that The Dave and Steve Show is available on both Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And the feed of this podcast can be downloaded into any podcast program that you may be using while you're out on the go. So to get the link for our feed, search for Podbean, Dave and Steve Show for more information. You know, months ago, Dave, Steve, and myself, we came back to this show with complete agreement that the three of us could get this show rolling again with the pure intent of giving listeners a worthwhile distraction during a very difficult time that at least early on was filled with a lot of uncertainty. Now, for those of us in the United States, we're celebrating the Thanksgiving Day weekend, and we have a great deal to be thankful for. And I speak for all of us here at the Dave and Steve show when I say that we're thankful for all of you that are listening, reaching out to us and following three guys that just like to laugh and tell stories. Now, we know that this show isn't going to change the world, but we hope it is helping to brighten your world. So would you consider sharing this podcast with a friend? Now, also a quick final reminder to go out and buy Steve's children's book, The Best Darn Dog in the World, which is available on Amazon right now. $14.95. Come on, you got to go get it. That's it for now. Thank you for joining me on this special edition clip show. For Dave and Steve, this is Tracy, hoping you had a fantastic Thanksgiving. We'll see you next time on the Dave and Steve Show.